Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hi, I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellows on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, Bills fans, welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a ton of items to discuss in today's podcast. We are going to discuss some training camp notes from this past week. Uh, we are, by the way, we are less than three weeks away from the beginning of the season. How crazy is this? I mean, this whole year has been just insane in general with everything going on in the world. And then the fact that we're literally going to be discussing the Bills week one matchup in just a few weeks. It's, it's just crazy. We're talking about uh, certain players, certain things going on within training camp. We're going to talk about the Bills stadium being renamed and then potentially some suitors for the new naming rights for the Buffalo Bills. We have uh, a Bills kicker battle. We have some interesting stats that I wanted to bring up for today's episode and uh, and a bunch of other things. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome my co-host for this episode. It is voiceover Nick. Nick, it is it is great to talk to you, man. How are you doing? Hey, Nate. Yeah. Are, are we are we going to have a season? Yeah. Yeah, so uh we are recording this on Sunday night and anything can change in the next day or the next few hours, but yeah, yeah, we've got this far into training camp which is farther than I may have thought that the Bills and the NFL would get without having a large outbreak or anything like that. So with less than 3 weeks away, only 11 or 12 cases currently in the NFL with 80 players per roster and 32 teams in the NFL. That's over 2,400 players altogether. Um, I'm pretty confident that this season will start on time. But this is all unsurprising because I don't know. So I was, I've been, this kind of all folds into some of the things that we were going to talk about because uh, I've been watching Hard Knocks, oh, yeah. uh, which, which they've been following around the, uh, the LA teams, which is really tough because they both have blue color scheme. So I don't know. They're bouncing back and forth between the Chargers and the Rams, and I can't keep track of who is who because they're all wearing blue. And um, but nevertheless, a big part of it is is about the COVID prevention and about the testing and about how this all goes. And you see these guys getting little little Q-tips swabbed around the base of their nose, and and these these big three hundred and fifty pound guys going, I don't want a Q-tip in my nose. 
dude, <laughs> it's not the big long ones that you've seen on the news to where they shove it up into your brain. Stem. Oh, it's not. It's not. No. And that's and that's where I think not to get too far in the weeds, but I am a, uh, you know, an amateur biochemist <laughs> and I have been paying attention. And so those those swabs that go all the way to the brain, those are the ones that are most accurate. And you send them off to lab. They take like seven days to a week to come back. And they go, you got it, you don't got it, whatever. But out in the real world, who cares? In the real world, if they have a false positive, hey, Nate, we think you might have it. You got to stay home for 14 days. If you don't get any symptoms, great. We'll figure it out. If it's a false positive and you don't really have it, you'll never get symptoms. Who cares? You just, you were working from home anyway. Exactly. So, but this, and what they're doing here is they're testing everybody every day with these faster result tests. And the faster result tests have lower accuracy. So say, and, and this is just easy math. I'm not quoting any particular test. I'm just, I'm just saying, let's assume that it's a 90% accurate test. So one in every hundred tests is going to come back possibly inaccurately false positive. Now you've got how, how many of the teams down to now? 80 plus coaches yes. and things. So you're, yes. you're talking probably at least a hundred people are getting tested every single day. <laughs> so compound that they've been they've been playing in person for eight days six days so you're talking six seven hundred tests of course you're going to have some false positives mm -hmm. now the, the tricky thing that's going to happen is how do you handle that and what it sounds like the way they're doing it uh, and this has happened in hard knocks as well i mean in this latest episode uh, seth ryan rex ryan's son who's now a coach missed two days because he had a false positive and then he was back but what they do is they wait they test you again it comes back negative you wait another 12 or 24 hours, they test you again, you come back negative, you're like, okay, you're good to go. And if that's the way it happens, that's all well and good. I think we saw the best case scenario today at practice for what they did was they postponed practice and saw, oh man, we're going to be missing some major players, Josh Allen included, Yep. but everyone else is good. So I guess it's Matt Barkley's team today. And so Matt Barkley stepped in and learning how to run the team and learning, you know, learning to work with all these guys. And this could very well be how the season is like yeah to where you it might be a false positive but you can't come back until like maybe two days later so hopefully that false positive comes back on tuesday not saturday yeah exactly not not a day or so before the game or two before the game where you can't get tested again with accuracy yeah so so just to give everyone a lowdown of what of all of the things that nick is discussing is that adam Schefter tweeted out um this afternoon is that bill's quarterback josh allen received a false positive COVID test result and is missing practice today because of it, per league sources. Allen is one of six Bills who got false positive test results this weekend. Allen is expected to practice Monday after going through proper protocols. And like you said, that that is an excellent point because luckily, I mean, thank God as a Bills fan, like he didn't get it. I mean, if you were, I guess now's the time because it's, you know, more than two weeks till the season, but he didn't have it. But what do you do if it's before game day and you could potentially lose Someone that 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 is this important to your franchise, to your chances of winning any given week. I think that's that's so. There's two different things we're still dealing with, which is, and and this is just the existential crisis of the unknown in this world these days, because these tests are constantly being bettered and and getting new ones and different ones that can take 15 minutes or it might take a day to to however long it is. So I think some of that might come into play as well if if they can get an accurate. 15 minute test that you could feel really confident that you give it to them like five times within four hours to say, okay, 
we're good. Maybe you can clear them within 12 hours instead of a day and a half. Maybe that'll help. Uh, but I think we still have to go back to the fishy thing that was brought up in the news today that 10 other teams using the same lab that the Bills had have been seeing a ton of false positives. So is there something weird in the way that they just had one bad dude doing the, doing the testing? Like some dude doing mixing all the chemicals together just happened to be not very good at his job? Or, or is it just a happenstance that this all happened today? Or have we just not been hearing about it? Like maybe we haven't heard from across the league because I hadn't heard that you know, one of the coaches for, for one of the LA teams was out until I watched it on Hard Knocks. So that happened a week ago. Mm-hmm. So is it just the fact that the news is now catching up to the fact that these are happening at a pretty regular, regular rate or just luck? It all happened on the same day. Well, it's it's scary either way because this could be something that potentially happens during the season. I mean, you 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 can look at it one of two ways. Either this is something that happened; it was a mistake within the testing procedure and, the, and getting lab results back, and they'll fix it before the season goes on. Or this is just this is. It, I think this is how it's going to be. This is how this is an issue with the testing that they go through. Is is the inaccuracies that you met the inaccuracies that you mentioned going with this quick test as opposed to the long one. And by the way, you're talking about these 350 pound guys doing it and or not liking it or whatever with a small swab. Like my wife, you know, s- small woman that she is gets it done once a week for her job and she does not like it, but she does it. So it's kind of funny when you say, of course, it's not every day. It's once a week, <laughs> but it's kind of funny sitting in that these huge athletes. But is she doing the one that tickles the brain? Oh, or yeah. Is she doing the one where you just swab a little outside of the of your nose? No, no. The one where it makes your eyes water because it's so far up there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, that's that's different <laughs> to where see, if you literally just take a Q-tip and swab it around the inside of your nose, that's all they're doing for these. Oh, guys. really? OK. Yeah. Nevertheless, I think you're right, though. This this is what's going to make a team successful or not successful this season. Uh, you can have you know Tom Brady and Gronkowski, but you know what? They might get knocked out for a game or two, depending on the timing of these tests and how this all works. So I think I think the the successful teams are going to be ones that can roll with the punches, have enough depth that they can bring someone in like a Barkley, who can step in for for hopefully just one game, and be able to still execute at a level that gets us victories. And I think the best managed team is going to fare better than than possibly teams that that might have more talent. Yeah, I mean, so so just looking at um, Joe Biscalia tweeting today, he said uh, the, the people he, he did not see at the practice field this morning: quarterback Josh Allen, like we mentioned, defensive lineman Quinton Jefferson, defensive tackle Vernon Butler, defensive tackle Harrison Phillips, and and two other guys with injuries: Josh Norman and Tommy Sweeney. And if you look at that, it's like, well, those originally like those guys are kind of important. These aren't like depth guys. And just because it was six guys today doesn't mean that, you know, later in the future it could be like four guys, two guys or 12 guys. You don't know how many, you know, false positives you could get from this, you know, and and from the flip side of it, you talk about false positives. What about false negatives? What happens if there's a guy that actually has it and we don't know about it. And then within two days or a day or two, when he's, when he thinks that he's fine, he's been infecting the people around him. Then you got some real positives. <laughs> and that's and that's the problem is the real it's the real positives that that derail the entire season. The false positives make for some really weird, interesting games that might not have the personnel that you like. But the real positives can really screw up the season. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is this is gonna be interesting. What I'm hoping for with this is uh, I know I know Western New York has been really rough 
the last week or so with with results. And by rough, I mean like they're at like they just went over two percent. Western New York's worst day is what they dream about in Florida. <laughs> I know that those teams, those four Florida teams wishes, wish that they could have what, what our worst day is. So, but I mean, all things aside, you know, you know, it's been highest, but it's still not high. Like you said, compared to Florida, Texas, I mean, all these states are getting ravaged or they're now just starting to decline from COVID-19 tests. I was thinking about this, man. Thank God that the bills are in New York now. Like all the players are now in New York where for the most part, the state has been able to contain the virus compared to other states we've seen in the news like Florida and Texas and other states. All of the players are now in one of the safer states in the country to practice and be until week one begins. I think, other- I think that's when the real, the real action is going to begin is when we start sending teams to other states. <laughs> and that's when there's going to be some really – I feel like just because we have our, our – everything you know we have things in in line way better than other states we should just get home field advantage until until your state comes down below a threshold everyone has to play at the Bills stadium well they're still trying to figure out fan attendance that's still like they just came out this last week that the Kansas City Chiefs in their opening game on Thursday night the first game of the season they plan on having uh 22 percent attendance so I mean if there's going to be attendance of any fans you can't you can't just have one team do it it's got to be every team's got to have a crack at that, well, at that now, money. Now you're getting into, you know, do you pump noise in if you don't have, if you don't have They're considering the, uh, fans. it. They're considering it right now that they yeah. will pump noise in um, to do that. Either artificial noise, we don't really know. It could be like just, you know, a guy, a DJ, a like quote unquote, like audience DJ that just like, you know, you know, cheers for them on third down on defense or whatever. Or it could be, you know, somehow they, they link up like, you know, a certain amount of fans on Skype or whatever, and then they pump in like a, they amplify that to you know the stadium, you know, just to recreate. That'd be awful. <laughs> it would be awful. You know, um, I mean, have you have you you know compare it to other leagues? Compare it to the NBA. I mean, the NBA is is one they've had zero issues as far as I could tell because they're all just confined to their bubble and they're playing with minimal if no fans and they're pumping noise in and it's it's fairly successful then you look at the MLB they don't have any fans and they're just infected all over the place mm-hmm. but they travel a lot you're right they i mean baseball in general you're traveling like every other day right compared to football it's once a week um maybe once keep, a week it's only eight eight keep, times <laughs> keep the fans like 10 at least 10 rows back so they can't cough far enough to <laughs> hock a loogie on one of the players by mistake yeah. or on purpose or on purpose <laughs> yeah, you don't really hock a lot of loogies by mistake like <laughs> you know um, <laughs> well if you have the covid maybe if you have maybe maybe we <laughs> one thing i hope for is is i can't see this season now that we've gotten to this this point this season getting canceled unless it ravages um a certain percentage of the league in general, like five to 10 or 20% of all the players across the league. Cause if you think about it, if it's just a few teams, like let's say like there are a couple of teams where like 20% of the players like just can't make it or whatever. Like you can't cancel a whole season just because a few teams are getting infected because that's really not fair to the rest. But I could see if it is a, if it is like an owner, like Jerry Jones of the Cowboys and the Cowboys are getting decimated by COVID nineteen cases, be like, you know what? Sorry, we got to we got to postpone the season. You know, yeah, that's naturally. that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about like owners that that have that much influence within the 32 teams because I because I can see the like, the bill the bills you know probably won't have that issue. Hopefully, knock on wood that 
that that they're talking about and they have the potential this year of all years to to make that deep run with the team that they've put together with the fact that you know they have so many things going in their favor which I'm going to talk about in a second but um you know I just hope it's not one of those things where like nor you know uh Robert Kraft or Jerry Jones or one of those owners that's just you know has has his Finger too deep in the pie. Yes, sure. That's exactly what it has is just in Roger Goodell's ear that much. Ear too deep. This is, can you go deep into a pie with your ear? I don't know. Finger in the pie is this thing, and I'm, I, I don't know. I couldn't come up with anything. So whatever you said is much better. <laughs> <laughs> you said something. I had silence. So um, I just hope it's not one of those one of those owners that that's really determining which way this league goes because you know this league is an old boys club. It's old money, it's old boys, and they're the ones that really decide what happens in the NFL one way or another, good or bad. Um, and that's why, that's why I think that's, that's worst case. Uh, well, actually, worst worst case is you know, half the league is taken out uh, by real COVID and not false tests. I think the, the actual probable worst case is Dallas gets hurt badly. And like you said, you have people influencing in ways that maybe they shouldn't be. But I think the normal is going to be what we saw today. We're going to see people missing a couple of days here and there, and, and maybe they're false positive. Maybe they're real positive and they miss a couple of weeks. But I think I think that's going to be the normal through the season. Yeah. And we have to deal with it if 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 Barkley has to start a game. And, you know, I mean, the, I think the, the horrible thing would be if, you know, Allen and Barkley were both false positive. I mean, that's a bad day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where they were talking about, you know, in the press conferences this past week, with padded practices and everything. Quarantine of the quarterback? Quarantine of one quarterback. Maybe it's Davis Webb. Maybe it's Matt Barkley. Maybe it's Jake Fromm. Probably not Jake Fromm. But, you know, we'll see. One of those quarterbacks that has veteran experience so that if if the whole quarterback room goes down, you don't have, like, Andre Roberts playing quarterback or someone like that. But Isaiah that's why I'm a little glad that this is happening now. Yeah. And, and that we're realizing that these are the things that could be affecting as we go forward, because I was watching, uh, I think it was which news channel it was on, but they were talking about the practice that actually occurred once they realized, okay, we're going to be missing these guys, but we still have enough to, to play. And, and Barkley was off. He was off. He wasn't, wasn't hitting what he needed to be hitting. And then you see him, you know, huddling up with the guys and realizing, oh, we need to make these adjustments. And then he was doing great. So to have him get those reps today makes me feel better should we have this case again in the future that he would be able to step in and have that semblance of understanding of where everybody's at to, to be successful in a, in a game situation. If, if that were the case versus if he had never gotten this opportunity throughout the, the couple of weeks that they have to practice, then those much lower chances of being successful, if you were called to be put in a game. Yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping that that matters. I don't, I don't know if it matters in the grand scheme of things. Like if you had this one practice on, August 23rd doesn't mean in November 6th or whatever, like, you know, I'm holding on to yeah. something here, dude. Man. I I love your glasses. <laughs> I, lo- I love glasses half full. You know me, but um, I'm just, it, it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't hurt Matt Barkley. Stop, stop knocking over my glass. <laughs> <laughs> Could you see like one of the things that, that I think that Bill's fans in general should be optimistic in And I'm optimistic in is the fact that this Bill's team and front office and coaching staff is built for this for this virus for this outbreak because if you think about it like the the fact that they didn't lose any of their coaching staff minus their defensive line coach every everyone's returning the exact same schemes that they implemented last year with their veterans is going to be used again for all these guys free agents all the free agents that they picked up for the most part 
all knew the system that Josh er, that uh, Sean McDermott is running defensively, and they didn't bring in a ton of uh, free agents uh, offensively. Uh, but you know, and then you think about the fact that they're rookies that they drafted. A lot of teams this season, a lot of teams around the league, the Bills were like this for a long time. You needed to draft a player that was going to be an instant impact on day one because you didn't have a player that could do it. So, like, if you, example, A.J. Epinesa, in normal years back before Brandon Bean existed as the Bills GM, they needed A.J. Epinesa to start day one and be an impact player. Like, they needed Aaron Mabin to be an impact player. They don't need this this year. They don't need A.J. Epinesa to, for more than just a depth guy at this point. That's what good teams do. And the fact that the Bills don't have any turnover in coaching, they don't have any turnover in their front office. No, none of their assistant GMs left, or, or any of their front office staff left. Uh, left, none of their players left that were too much of an impact. Um, obviously, they they lost some good guys, but they replaced them, I think, adequately well with guys that knew the system. I mean, they're they're ready for this depth wise. Cross my fingers, and you know, strategy wise, they can do this as long as they aren't decimated. They can right. afford to lose a few guys. Josh Allen, withstanding, but. And I agree with you 100%. The teams that have the continuity and are have the flexibility along with the continuity are going to have a distinct advantage should things start to not go well uh, as we get further in the season. And, and even, you know, Espinosa specifically, I mean, they're, they're practicing him at all different spots. And that makes me feel good, too, because it doesn't matter who goes out. He can possibly step in with either really good production or good enough production. Yeah, and I'm and I that's a great point about AJ Epinesa playing defensive end, one tech, three tech. And he's he's they're throwing him everywhere and that's great because um I wonder if the coaching staff and I wouldn't put it past McDermott and the rest of the coaching staff to be this proactive in thinking we need to be prepared if someone goes down. So AJ Epinesa, normally defensive end, maybe he'll play three tech. We're gonna have him play practice one tech too, because God forbid if Harrison Phillips goes out with you know COVID nineteen, we need a guy that can step up and also play that one tech position role on the defensive line, or possibly if Ed Oliver goes down, we we need somebody that can play at the three tech. I think it's gonna be something that really helps down the stretch. I agree. I agree. Good topic. Good conversation. I. I, I was just thinking when you were mentioning guys going out for a week or two, um, it's going to make fantasy football very interesting this season <laughs> to like, you know, you're going to have to be preparing to for like possibly your wide receiver to go out just oddly enough with no injury, but tested positive <laughs> for COVID. That's yeah, our of... rules have changed in the league that I'm in and uh, putting a lot more IR spots oh, yeah. <laughs> for the guys that uh, might, might actually have it or be the false, false positives. And mm-hmm. it's, going to be interesting. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um that was the big news obviously for today and um Josh Allen um having a false, false positive. He is expected to be back uh Monday morning for practice, so that's we're all happy about that. Um interesting training notes or training camp notes that happened this week that I wanted to just bring up. Um Josh, the biggest injury that occurred this week was to Josh Norman, um cornerback um, he was a free agent uh, signed from, I'm, I'm not even going to explain it. Everyone should probably know that that's listening to this, but um, he had the biggest play of training camp while intercepting a pass from Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. And he was having a pretty solid week, at least as far as the media was able to tell in the first week that the media was ab- able to actually attend practice. And as he was returning the pick, an offensive player rolled up on his left leg during the tackle and uh, he's out indefinitely right now with a hamstring um, strain, they think. Um, a hamstring injury. They didn't actually say what it was. 
but on a positive note, he was observed riding a an exercise bike later in practice. So that's positive, hoping that he'll be ready for week one. And um, Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills had this great article on BuffaloRumlings.com that you should all check out that outlined all of the injuries from last week. And he even said in the article he feels that there's a decent chance Norman is ready for week one. These kinds of injuries, without knowing a ton of it about it, said they're usually two to four weeks. Um, so he should hopefully be ready for week one. But there's a potential to re-injure something like this. So we'll just have to uh, just hope it, it, it ends up being okay. The reason why this is this is interesting. Speaking of opting out and, and things like this, EJ Gaines, cornerback EJ Gaines, opted out uh, earlier uh, a few weeks ago when you know the opt out uh, ability in the CBA clause was still available. Um, the the Tre'Davious White opting in to the season a couple of weeks ago that might be that might end up being the biggest event to happen in the Bills in the Bills' favor this entire off season or in, in the preseason. You know, because of, you think about EJ Gaines opting out, Josh Norman now injured. Could you imagine if Tredavious White wasn't there? Like, their starting cornerbacks would be, on the outside, would be what? Like, their seventh-round pick, Lane Jackson? And that's not a dig against Lane Jackson, per se. I just don't think any seventh-round pick is ready to line up against the likes of a Tyreek Hill or a Cortland Finnegan for the Bills' defense. And then Tredavious White also brought up the fact over Twitter when some fans were criticizing him for even thinking about opting out, he mentioned that his girlfriend's grandfather passed away from COVID-19. So I think that we would all be ignorant if we think that that doesn't cross his mind and it hasn't affected him personally. But at the same time, you know, fans are going to be fans. Like there's jerk fans everywhere. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's like they they exist, you know, man. Like uh, I just, (laughs) you see them, you maybe, maybe you know them like, you know, they, they're going to be for every fan base. And it's just, you probably don't hear about it as often because Trey White tweeted about it, you know, the next day after hearing, you don't know how many people it was. I hope it wasn't a lot. I doubt it was, but man, what a stressful 24 hour period. You didn't know if he was going to opt out. He said he, he still might. And you knew he had to make the decision the next day. I mean, man, that was, that was tough. That was tough. I, I, I that was the most stressful 24 hours that I think I've had as a Bills fan since maybe the Mario Williams signing that whole time frame when they needed him in Buffalo for like three full days before he actually signed. I don't remember there being such a stressful time as as maybe maybe when Ralph Wilson passed away and they were they weren't sure who was going to purchase the Bills at that point. That so was would stressful. You, if he had opted out, would you have been like, you know what, everyone should opt out. <laughs> Let's not get anyone hurt this year. <laughs> you mean pull the Patriots? <laughs> yeah, pull the Patriots. Get you know, get Josh Allen. I said, go get everyone out. Uh, yeah, no one needs to get hurt this year. <laughs> I mean, you could argue that Trey White is one of their most important players, not only on defense but on that entire team. I mean, he... I, I don't disagree with you, but it's you know, still he had to make his decision, and I'm glad he opted in. But uh... no, but to your point, to your point, like everyone opting out, like I, I would say that there's been at least a couple of games each season where if he doesn't make a play, they don't win those games. Like they talk about like their stats, like wins above replacement or whatever. Like he might be like, you know, plus plus 1.0 games above. Oh, for sure. Replacement, you know, like, but then again, hopefully we have a more potent offense this year. Exactly. Exactly. That's something I'm sure we'll discuss before the season begins in Josh Allen. But, uh, but very, very happy. When you think about all that secondary, if Micah Hyde had opted out, if Jordan Poyer had opted out, like that's a huge hole in the strength of their defense, which is a secondary. Whereas the defensive line, 
you could argue that they don't have a pure stud like they do in the secondary. Like they have very solid starters, but none of them have reached the level of Poyer White. Well, hope, and, and hopefully, and a couple of them will this year. Yes, exactly. We're hoping that Ed Oliver is that guy in the defensive line, um, but he just hasn't shown it completely yet. So yeah. Um, yeah, no, that didn't bother me as much. I would have liked it, obviously. Um, but if there was a position that we were going to lose it in defensive line, they're, luckily they're just they're just so deep. Luckily, I mean, even linebacker, if they lost Matt Milano or Tremaine Edmonds, like that's a huge loss. You know, they just don't have the depth at linebacker that they do at defensive line. So, uh, so yeah, no, no. I, what, what about you? What did you think of that? Of start opting out? I'm the same as you. It was just like I was like, ah, all right, we're fine. Like, is that it? Please let that be it. <laughs> like, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, if that's all, that's that's fine. And this yeah. is also on the heels of hearing that the Patriots had lost six people at that point. Yep. And I think there are eight people total. Eight people total, yep. Starters, and too. Not not just yeah. Like so, good, good players, like Pro Bowl defensive players, you know, and a team that lost some Pro Bowl defensive players to free agency, yeah. It does make me wonder if after the first few guys opted out that the other ones are looking around and going, um. Yeah, I'm out too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how this is next year. Yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, see if Cam Newton works out, or or if this. What's the kid's name? Oh yeah, Jared Stidham. Stidham. Um, I, yeah. I knew it started with an S. I can never remember what the name is. That's okay. You I probably, just want to say Sickum. You probably won't play. You don't have to worry about it. Um. <laughs> so, uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, I think Jared Stidham actually just got injured this week, so we'll see. It might be. I mean, Cam Newton didn't. He has a leg up in that in that competition because he's Cam Newton, but he also missed all of OTAs and everything because he signed right before training camp. So he's got to learn a new playbook and everything. And new I mean, it was just going to be tough for him to learn so much in so little time with whatever's going on, you know, with COVID and everything. So um, other news and notes, the, apparently, you know, according to media observations of rookie wide receivers have been playing really well thus far, and they may make it tough for guys like Robert Foster and Duke Williams. To I was going to ask you about stuff. Robert Foster. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Foster right now is in concussion protocol. But even before that, I don't know if Robert Foster had a better chance of making this roster over a guy like Duke Williams, who the Bills turned to in the playoff game last season when they needed an extra wide receiver on the roster to help out Josh Allen. And, uh, and you know, the thing is, like, I mean, even Duke Williams, there's, there is a large contingency. Well, I shouldn't say large. There is a contingency of Bills fans on social media that are huge Duke Williams fans. And there's, there's, there's a lot to like about the guy. I mean, there's a lot to like about a lot of these guys that Bean has picked up off the street and that, you know, are either undrafted or came from the CFL, like Duke's case, or, you know, Christian Wade came from the, the rugby league in, you know, England. It's just, there's, there's a lot to like about these guys and we and we as Bills fans, we always love our seventh round picks, our undrafted guys in general, because we're the little guy. You know, we're we're we are the undrafted. Rudy. What's that? We're Rudy. We're Rudy. We are as a fan base. Everyone always counts out the Bills and Buffalo as a city, so we love those guys in general. But I'm not sure, unless unless Duke, especially because Isaiah Hodgins and, and Gabriel Davis have been playing so well. First of all, I think Gabriel Davis makes the roster no matter what. And I'm starting to think Isaiah Hodgins does as well because there's no way Brandon Bean decides to choose a free agent wide receiver from the CFL that he chose two years ago over his own draft picks. I mean, he's proven time again that he loves his draft picks and he'll do what he can to keep them on the roster, even maybe when they don't necessarily deserve to be on the roster. 
from the the COVID perspective, I think you get extra practice squad spots, right? Mm-hmm. And and going, okay, we we might not be able to carry as many wide receivers because we might have to carry an extra quarterback than we normally might, or we need to carry some extra guys to fill in some of the gaps from a depth perspective, at least initially. And then if people go down, then you bring these guys up off the practice squad. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they how the machinations go with with these guys that that may have on a different year been locks to make the roster. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think that we'll see um I think it, as as long as everything goes well, injuries, you know, notwithstanding, I think that Isaiah Hodgins at this point at this point would make the the roster over Duke Williams for that point like I mentioned Bean loves his draft picks. I mean, we've seen Brandon Bean bring back former 6th round pick Ray Ray McLeod. I would say roughly 18 times in the past six years. And I say six years knowing that he was drafted three years ago, <laughs> but it feels like he's been brought back like every single possible time that he's been cut. So Bean loves his draft picks a little too much, to be honest, a little too much, but, um, but, but, you know, I, I think he believes in them. And I think that, you know, Duke Williams at the time that they got him two years ago, they had, uh, you know, Kelvin Benjamin as their, as their best wide receiver at that point. So they needed, they needed something and, you know, they finally addressed it, you know, last season. So, what does the season look like if you put Duke in there instead of Kelvin? Oh, geez. Yeah, that's a can of worms. We it's better gonna, not go down that path. We got too many things to um, discuss, Nick. <laughs> speaking of speaking of draft picks, then then do you think then that means that the uh, what is his name uh, Tyler Bass gets ooh, picked up as kicker? Ooh, the the Tyler Bass v Stephen Hauschka kicker competition, right? It's going first ba- off. Yeah, I need to. I need to. I need to ask you a question. I'm assuming you've been watching how they do every day, like, you know, Hauschka's has made seven out of nine and, you know, they've been going back and forth. How is it? They're only kicking nine times over the course of a day. <laughs> I watch, I saw, I saw in the video, it's only like three or four guys there that are hanging out kicking. And uh, what takes them so long? Is it, it's like, yeah, I mean, you kicked it 45 yards. You got to go get it. You got to go get that ball. The only but it takes so long to get it, bring it back, and <laughs> kick it again. Is that why they're only kicking it nine times a day? Are they walking over? To, are they army crawling over to the ball to get it back? Why does it take so long? Seriously. The only thing. And what are they doing the rest of the time that they're not kicking? <laughs> if you want to boil it down to the fundamentals of being a kicker, I would say kicking is the most important for sure. Without a doubt. I'm not an X's and O's guy, Nick, okay? I'm not an X's, but I would say <laughs> kicking is up there. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. It just, it, I just wonder. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a person who's <laughs> gone to many of the training camps. So uh, get, why, are get, they, why does it take them so long to kick, kick nine balls? They don't get the full field the entire day. So, like, the, the, you know, the team is actually on the playing field that has a field goal post, right? So the time that they actually get to kick field goals, the, none of the rest of the team can be out there, at least on that half of the field that they're kicking from. Oh, so maybe they only have time while they're doing, like, end zone drills. Exactly. They're doing goal line drills or whatever on the other side of the field, so you can kick on this side and punt. They're probably not punting a whole lot either. Yeah, then they hey, have to— may, Maybe when the other guys have gone in for lunch— you you could stay out with the kickers and they could eat lunch a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Because it's social distancing. So you shouldn't be close to each other anyway. So yeah, why can't they stagger practice times? Like have them practice like right after the, you know, the rest of the team practices, right? Special teams. Exactly. I don't know. We we fixed it. It's <laughs> probably something in the CBA that we don't know about. It's just like yeah. No, probably. Everyone has I to just, be. It just every day I'm reading those numbers and going, 
It doesn't take long to kick. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And you know what's funny is actually being at training camp before, you know, while it's at St. John Fisher, is they really don't kick that often. I mean, just thinking about, I, I never really thought about it that clearly, but they just don't. Even though they have the other field at St. John Fisher, they have two fields there. Um, you really just don't see them kicking that often. Which really. you think you would because it's such a huge part of the game. Oh, so so important. So important. So are, are you uh, Team Bass or Team Hauschka? Okay. Okay, so I will. I am definitely worried about Stephen Hauschka in general because of the way he's been trending downward. Now, he picked it up a little bit at the end of the season, but I feel like we've seen this movie before in the past with kickers like Dan Carpenter where he started off in his first season with the Buffalo Bills. His hair was on fire. He was making everything from any distance, and then the second year he kind of started to fall apart, and then the third year he really trended downward, and Stephen Hauschka had times like that in his second and third year. So I'm really worried about how he's going to face this year because I feel like there's a slump with kickers. It's like, man, when they're, when they're done and their goose is cooked, I mean, it's over. There's, there is not much time left before they really just hit the rails and, and just completely go rock bottom. Do you? So I think, objectively speaking, Tyler has a stronger leg. Kick his ass, Seabass! Yes, yes, that is, that is, it sounds like it's been proven um, by the media members that they, they believe that he, he does have the stronger leg. But that's not what's most important. It's accuracy. It's just like you can't just practice the driver when you're golfing. You have to use your irons because you <laughs> you can't use your driver all game. It's just that one shot. You need to be able to hit it in from 100 See, yards out. To me, to continue the golf metaphor, which I'm not sure why he went that direction, <laughs> it's uh, you know it's sinking that 10-foot putt to, to win the match in front of a bunch of people crowded around the, the green. You know, is this is, is Tyler Bass a guy who can be you know fourth quarter, 10 seconds left, and and you need this to win the game? Does he have the nerves to to do that? Even if it is a 30-yard field goal or a 50-yard field goal, either way, you know what's his? I would imagine being that they drafted a kicker, which again, seems unusual. It feels like they probably think he is. Yes. So if, if I were to put money on it, I, I think he's going to come away with it. That's, that's your thought is that because of now my counter to that would be in any other season, I would agree with you. If they're anywhere close to kicking level, as far as accuracy or consistency, if they're anywhere close, you have to go with Tyler Bass. You have to go with the six round pick, even though he's a rookie, because you know, you're saving so much, you're saving over $2 million by cutting Hauschka. And not only that, kickers are so hard to find in the NFL. You have them locked up for four years on a six-round pick deal that, you know, you just ride that out. Because as soon as Hauschka gets cut or even potentially Tyler Bass, they will get picked up by another team that just has a crappy, you know, kicker competition going on right now or an injury because injuries always happen with kickers. Um, But this being the year that it is, could they hope that they sneak him onto the practice squad? Because... This is the year you don't want to test something like this because of COVID-19, because they could make a real run. And you really need that veteran presence that's been there, that's been there for that 40-yard field goal that you need to make with one second left in the fourth quarter to win the game. Well, veteran run. Also, what if Pauschka gets COVID or false, false positive COVID? It's like our team's now going to try to keep two kickers on, on the roster. Jeez. Maybe in that protected spot. Maybe they make uh, Tyler Bass in that protected spot to keep him. I mean, it seems likely. I mean, it seems like a good way to go, but I mean, it's crazy. It, 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 all of the different things going on, it gets more complicated when it was already complicated. Yes. 
exactly. And then you're adding this to it. Well, who are you? Are you team? Are you team Hauschka or team uh, Bass? I was team Hauschka coming into this conversation, but I think I like Bass now. Great Bass, homie. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like I mean he had a rough day today. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe he was like five of nine or six of nine. I, you know, this this he was doing well. He just missed a couple of fifty yarders, fifty plus yarders, which he'd been hitting. Uh, he hadn't been hitting every one of them this past week, but he had been hitting more than Hauschka has been, and Hauschka didn't kick today. So um, it's, it's it's an interesting discussion. I'm still worried about... Whenever I've looked at the stats between Hauschka and Bass, Bass has never been far off. Like, you're not talking... how Like, there was one day where Hauschka was 7 of 8, and, you know, Bass was 6 of 9. You know? So obviously not as many. That's why I would like them to kick a few more times. <laughs> Let's get some more data. Let's get some sample sizes more than six, more than eight or nine, 40. And now you're talking. Yeah. If he did 38 out of 40 now, we've got a conversation to have. But you and I were just talking about Bean loves his draft picks, right? Like, well, that's why I was, was saying like, that's probably what swayed me over to Bass is, you know, they know something to draft a kicker yeah. that they feel like he's going to be it. So I, I think unless he's woefully worse than, than Hauschka in the long run. I mean, he's got, what, a couple of weeks to, to prove it out. Yeah. I, I think he's probably going to be the guy. Yeah, yeah, good point. And, you know, not for nothing. I know people will be like, oh, it's only $2 million that they save with Stephen Hauschka. I mean, that that $2 million actually, actually makes a difference because of how much the salary cap is going down next season. And it's just, you know, you can roll that over to hopefully potentially use that to sign a Matt Milano or Tredavious White in the future. Like, $2 million, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot, and it's not a ton, but, um, you know, it means even more because normally the salary cap goes up every season, right? And the next year it's going down by, I think, $25 million. So, um, you know, you'll have less money to re-sign your players. Uh, Another reason why I think that the NFL season will finish no matter how many people get COVID. Yeah. That sweet, sweet cheddar uh, cheese. Yeah, the, 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 run, the, the league runs off money, man. Cole Beasley, real quick, Cole Beasley tells reporters that Josh Allen is attempting more throws, or is attempting throws that he never would have tried before. He's starting to throw guys open, which is... With anticipation. With anticipation, which is... A, so not throwing at the guy, but throwing ahead of the guy. Exactly. And he has the arm where if he sees a guy open, see a guy open, throw guy open. I think that's what Bruce Exclusive always says, right? Bruce Nolan. But um, yeah, with the ability to... You're looking at different markers for improvement. I think that that, that feels that's like, huge. That's huge. Um, that's the difference between a touchdown and just a 12 yard game. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You catch Cole Beasley in stride to where he doesn't even have to let up and run essentially runs into the ball <laughs> and, yeah. and just he's gone. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And familiarity. I mean, this is the second year Cole, this is the second year he's had Cole Beasley. He's had all the same, all the all the wide receivers that are on the roster right now were there last season. And then they just added more talent. So no matter what the bills will have, are not only deep, but they'll have the best wide receiving core they've had in years because of because of the way that Bean and, and the staff have built it. So that's one of those improvements when you look at Josh Allen overall improving as a quarterback. That's one of those things. I know it's small because there's a lot of things you can improve on, but that could potentially. Do you think that this year is the, the make or break? Or do you think that if he has a, a mediocre to good year that, that you'll still be happy? Because he's got... He's got yeah, he's got the best talent at running back. He's got the best talent at wide receiver and tight end that he's ever had in his career. Not to mention, he's still Josh Allen, who can make a lot of things happen himself. You know, I think I think there's a lot of danger on that field and a lot of ability for him to really, really step up as a leader and, 
and as a quarterback to run a game. Yeah. I, I mean, he has to show improvement because after this season, they have to pick up that fifth year option for Josh Allen. And that's 20 plus million dollars you're talking about that you won't be able to use on a free agent or re-signing one of your players. So you better be sure after this season with that he's improved enough to get that. And maybe he doesn't. If he stays the same, maybe they don't pick up that fifth year option. They make him prove it in his fourth year to give him the big contract. But I it's what's what's nice, and we did we haven't had a chance to discuss that on circling the wagons um because of vacation and there's so much of course all these things happen while I'm on vacation, but the Sean McDermott contract extension, like this proves that he doesn't necessarily he isn't tied necessarily to Josh Allen. If Josh Allen, for whatever reason, does not improve or he takes a step back and they need to potentially look in a new direction, either a veteran free agent or another draft pick, like he'll get that opportunity. So I'm I, I definitely want to see improvement, but I, I think I think they're he'll not get married their, to him yet. I'm they're not You're married still, to him. The, the, the team isn't. They they they, they don't have exactly <laughs> they didn't put a ring on it, right? Like they're, they're steady. <laughs> They're still getting the what is it? What is the phrase? You're still getting the the milk for free. You're not buying the cow yet. Sure. Sure. Okay. Anyway, um, but I, I'm 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 optimistic. I think that you know Josh has proven things that he hasn't been able to do. Josh came into the league as a very raw quarterback, so he should be giving a lo- be given a longer leash than maybe a guy like Baker Mayfield or a guy like Sam Darnold, which those guys are still struggling. They're not perfect. They have a lot to prove in year three. So and um, I would say that they're not as good as Josh Allen at this point. At this point, I would I would agree with that. So what do you think? I mean, knowing what you know about, is this a make or break year for, for Josh Allen? I think in, in the fans' eyes, probably. Because yeah. <laughs> the fans are, are restless if, if they're not seeing something else. But I, I think if he, if he continues to make the the improvements that we're talking about, you know, keep good with the things he has been doing, but then improve on some of these other things and show that he's learning the game more and show that he can handle these things. Cause we don't know what's going to happen. Like the whole defense could get wiped out. Yeah. And, and now you're not talking about a, a team with one of the best defenses in the league. You're talking about a, a guy running for his life every, <laughs> yeah. because of the defense, uh, you know, can't, can't stop everything. So now you're desperate to make points. And uh, so I think all the, the factors that come into play with the COVID stuff is going to make a big difference in how I feel. Yeah. Um, if it's relatively consistent that we're not losing a ton of players each week and he can kind of keep consistent with, with the guys he has on the field, I think, you know, with the additions that they've made that there's almost no even excuses, if even if it's him allowing other people to be great, you know, if it's, if it's getting the ball to Singletary more, or if it's, uh, you know, getting it to, to even Moss, who looks like he can catch the ball, which is good. You know, if it's, it's seeing rather than him doing that 20 yard run himself, seeing that, that, uh, that Beasley's open and, and can make, make something happen. You know, it's the-, the most, I think he was either tied or had the most game winning drives in the NFL last season or the last couple of seasons. I think it was the most, the most. But the problem with that is, and, and that's a great stat. I mean, I love that. And you love that about Josh Allen being able to, he's Captain Clutch, right? He's king of the fourth, right? I mean, that's that's just how he is. But a lot of that is because he didn't play that well the first three quarters. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, they were, it was tied 34-34 and Josh Allen scored the go-ahead touchdown to win 41-34. I mean, you're talking like 17 to 10 games, 20 to 13 games. I mean, these aren't high scoring games the defense is keeping him in him he needs to prove that if the defense isn't on point 
that he can still win the game for the team and still come and I, through. I agree with that 100%. And I think that goes back to the, you know, allowing other people to to, to shine. And exactly. I think he's got the cast of characters that, that he can do that. And, and we need to see what he's like as a, as a manager of the game, not just as a star of the game. Yes, exactly. I agree with but, that point. But I still want to keep him, see him digging and, and pushing the way he pushes because that's just fantastic to watch. Yes, exactly. Uh, he's so fun to watch. He's so fun to watch. He's frustrating at times, but not nearly as frustrating as we've seen with other quarterbacks like a Tyrod Taylor where you're just like, throw the damn ball. Stop holding on to it, you know, like stop dumping off. Like he, this is, if you ever wanted a reason, you know, if you ever wanted an anti-captain checkdown, I mean, Josh Allen's your guy, which, you know, we've seen time and time again as a fan base. Everyone turns into Captain Checkdown, I feel like. So moving right along, this past week, since the Bills had terminated their partnership with New Era, and uh, the Bills stadium was previously named New Era Field, obviously, as we all know, they decided to temporarily name it for now Bills Stadium. Which is right up there with creativity of the uh, Washington football team. Um I mean, we all heard the rumors that Tushy, Tushy Bidets wanted to put their name on it and even bring a college game to the stadium. And they wanted to call it the Toilet Bowl. Oh, God. Which I think, I think Erie County shot that down. They're like, no, you're not going to do that. <laughs> what but makes, think, what, real quick, what makes Erie County think they're so great that they can't have the Toilet Bowl, right? I mean, I think the Toilet Bowl sounds awesome. I would go to a Toilet Bowl, wouldn't you? I, I think Buffalo struggles with with its reputation enough to where it's a little on the nose for some people in other parts of the country where it's like, well, of course that's where the toilet bowl is. I mean, Dude, I like Buffalo, but, you know, yeah. reputation. Sometimes, sometimes though, man, like, you know, in social settings, sometimes you just got to lean into that reputation. If you, if you don't like being made fun of, sometimes you can't be like, hey, guys, stop making fun of me. Sometimes you got to be like, yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> and then people are like, yeah, he gets it. <laughs> I don't think this is one of those. No, okay. All right. All right. Continue. <laughs> but I do have an idea. Yes. Especially because they're doing this temporary naming thing. Like, sure, Bill Stadium, fine. But if you're going to temporarily name it something, do something for the fans that can't go to the stadium. Let's let's have, uh, you know, Bill's Mafia's Thunderdome. Yeah. Like, for however long. And then you get a contract and you change it to whatever. That's what they're planning on doing now. Or or even even if you want to do something cool, like call it Hunter's Hope. Yes. A little shout out to Jim Kelly's, you know, charity for, you know, for his son. I mean, just something cool that you could do with it while while you're just temporary naming it and, and something that the, the, the area can get behind other than just Bill Stadium. Yes. Something that something that's that has meaning to the fans and would really kind of show that you're in touch with the fans and would get them going. If I heard that and they're like Hunter's Hope Stadium, like. Man, that's cool. Bill's Mafia Stadium. I don't know if there's a certain trademark or copyright with Del Reed. You know, if he owns that to Bill's Mafia, but I'm I'm sure he would be like, yeah, you go ahead, use it. I don't care. So yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I mean, you I, know, I, Bill's fans Thunderdome. I still yeah, Thunderdome. No, some fact. Something. Something to good. give us some credit. Or yeah, I mean, people were like, they need, they should name it the Ralph or whatever. I'm like, ah, I don't know if the Bagulas really want to. I mean, I'm sure they they have a statue of Ralph Wilson, you know, in the state outside of the stadium. I don't think they need to go as far as we need to rename the stadium Ralph Wilson Stadium or anything. Or and what's funny is Rich Perks over Facebook pointed out when I when I posted this on Facebook. By the way, if you're not following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CTW Pod, please please do. It's like at Circling the Wagons Pod. He said that when you build a new stadium in Madden, 
this is exactly what they name it, Bill Stadium. <laughs> so maybe maybe they're taking a playbook out of uh, out of Madden there. It's lame with their with their complete lack of creativity. <laughs> it's just yeah, just so many options, so many things that you could do that would that would just be so much even more meaningful, if not kind of cool. Oh yeah, you mean something cool like perhaps Barstool? Perhaps Barstool Stadium or Barstool Stadium Sports Park? What what do you think about that? Because uh, I don't think that that one's going to happen. No, you don't think so? So I don't know. I just feel like their reputation is so divisive. Oh, so divisive. So so to, for those that don't know, um, just a few days ago, Dave Portnoy, who is the president of, of Barstool Sports, and um, are you, Nick, I don't... I don't know if you're, are you familiar with Barstool Sports at all? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know of them. I'm, it's not like I follow them religiously or anything like that, but they pop into the zeitgeist every once in a while to where, yeah, mildly familiar. So, I mean, for those that don't know, they're basically like, um, <laughs> they're like the anti-ESPN as far as sports and, and networking and media goes because they just do they're very lighthearted. They're very funny. They make fun of everything, and which you have to respect to a point. But because they're not PC, because they don't care if they're offensive, they turn off a good portion of people because of that. And Dave Portnoy is, is like the king of this. And he's he's come. I remember this last season. He came to Ralph Wilson to tailgate with Bill's Mafia, which was pretty cool. There's been a lot of videos about that. Um, you know, he lives. He's from the Boston area, so he's a big Pats fan. So people had issues with that. And I mean, Barstool just recently, I mean, they're, they're not just a small network of sports, you know, guys that just talk trash about sports or whatever. Like they're, they were valued at over a hundred million dollars in the last few months, um, with everything that they do. And, 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 you know, uh, I know a lot of people don't like them. People call them like the fraternity, the frat guys of sports network, um, which is which I think is kind of funny and but also kind of true, <laughs> but I mean I've listened to some of their work. I'm not huge fans of, of their stuff. I don't I don't think it's amazing, especially for some how some people build it up. I have a good friend of mine who's a huge barstool fan. He listens to everything they do, and they don't just do sports. They do like you know life uh, podcasts, just like you know celebrity stuff. They do a, a ton of really interesting things. But um, I'm not a huge fan of it. But he like swears by them and. Dude, they they're popular. They they're extremely popular. You look at the podcast downloads for certain things. Like there's a podcast called Call Her Daddy, you know, which is like you know consistently number one in podcasts, and they do a great job of marketing. So, um, I did a I did a poll on Twitter that said you know Barstool buys rights to the Bill Stadium for the next five years. It becomes Barstool Stadium, Barstool Barstool Sports Park, whatever you call it. I said you either you love it, you hate it, or meh. So if you had to guess, Nick, what do you think was the most popular popular option out of those three? They they they, they love Barstool. I feel like the fans are rabid enough to where they would actually make a point to, to vote. Well, I know you, Nick, and I know you're going to say that they love it. But uh, 33% of the people said that they would love Barstool having the naming rights to the Bills Stadium. 34% said they would hate it. And 33% said, meh, they don't care either way. So I've I've done a lot of Twitter polls, and it is very hard to get one this even. It's thirty three percent love it, thirty four percent hate it, and thirty three percent meh. That's almost completely divided down the middle for a five hundred and twenty nine votes. So you know whatever, not gonna toot my own horn, but it's a pretty pretty amazing Twitter poll, if you ask me. 
That's all I'm saying. So um, <laughs> you don't want you don't so, want ninety so ten. Really, you're the big winner here. <laughs> I, you know, not to not to toot my own horn. I I do amazing polls on Twitter. If you follow us at CTW Bob, then you would know that. So, um, but it was actually the thirty four percent was hate it. Thirty four percent was hate it, but thirty three percent love it, and thirty three percent go meh. So if the way I look at it, sixty six percent of the people are fine with it. It's just thirty four percent of it hate it. Um, which I get, but you know what? Yeah, but there's also a stat on Twitter that, uh, what is it? 2% of the users of Twitter generate 80% of the, of the content. That's fair. Sounds about right. I can see that. <laughs> and that's why I thought that it would be a love it because I feel like that you know, their fans might be more vocal in terms of their rapidity of, uh, of, of the love that they would activate. It's always interesting with, with these Twitter polls because sometimes it'll be the majority say, like love it and then like all the comments are people that hate it like nobody actually came through there there wasn't a lot of people that came through and said that they like it but a lot of people like trashed in the comments so well, like i said it's it's the divis- the, the, the divisiveness of it you know that's why you know it's easy to click you know love it hate it or mad but you got to go to that next step to actually want to voice voice an opinion. Yes, that means that you care about it a little bit more. Exactly. Speaking of polls, I, I, have, I have a bit of a bone to pick with you, unless you have something else to say on this. No, I was just so let me let me just end it with this thought. With um, I I don't care if they name it Parstool Sports myself because it's not like they own the Bills or have any rights to the franchise in general. It's just yeah, advertising, and like I I. I'm not a big fan of like their content necessarily, at least the one that I've heard, but like you can't help but respect a guy that like started his own like sports newsletter or whatever in his basement and it's become like over a hundred million dollar like company and he's built it that way. Like you can't help but respect that. Like Dave Portnoy, something some people think he's an asshat and I completely get that. Um, but like behind the scenes, what they've done, they've done it successfully. So well, Bill Simmons did the same thing. Bill Simmons is a great example of that too. Except he just doesn't offend as many people as 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 Dave Fordnoy does a little bit in a different way, but um, so I mean I don't really I don't really care one way or another. I'd be completely fine with it personally. Do you care if they were to name it um, Barstool Sports? Do you do you really even care? No, I don't. I don't really care either because I all it is is advertising. I mean, we see all these goofy names on stadiums, and and you're just like, eh, whatever. Um, that's why I'm a little disappointed that they don't take the opportunity now to do something cool with the name while it's a temporary name yeah. until we get Cheetos Stadium. <laughs> and what's genius, speaking of advertising, what's genius about Portnoy saying that he was going to be part of this is it's free pub. Like he has a whole city of Buffalo talking about barstool sports. And, you know, there's some people, there's 33% of the people that are going to be like, I love it. There's 34% of the people that are going to be like, I hate it. 33% more. They're just like, I don't really know Barstool. Who are they? What are they? And then they right, find now out. Looking up Barstool. Now they're looking up Barstool. Now they're talking about him. It is just like the Tushy thing. Tushy wasn't going to buy the rights, <laughs> the naming rights, even if, even if the, the Erie County executive said no. They weren't going to buy the rights. They just got free pub. Did you know about Tushy before that? Well, you know, very deep knowledge of the bidet industry. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I never heard. <laughs> You're like I'm holding one up right now. <laughs> you know, I could I could talk to you for hours about the days. <laughs> Let me tell you. But now you know who it is, and all of our listeners are now know who it is, and all the people that read the articles. And it is free publicity is so smart. Yeah, it's using should, social media. I should just say, circling the wagons podcast is thinking about we're seriously interested in in yeah. uh, obtaining the rights, and then that's I all. Dare you? <laughs> hey. 
follow me at CTW pod to see if I do it <laughs> and make um, sure you copy in some news, local news places and, you know, just at them with that comment. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now we're off to the races. And now we're off to the races. But like you said, if it's not something, if it's not something fan based, I would want them to say like a, uh, like, or a local, a local brand like Fisher Price, who is out of Buffalo, like maybe even like a Tops or Wegmans, you know, like a local brand like that. Yancey's Fancy's Mighty Taco, we've talked about for the podcast, Duff's, something like that locally where people are like, that's awesome. Like, that's awesome that Mighty Taco has, or Wegmans has the rights to, because the last, right, it's, it's, it's buy into our region. To our region, exactly. What I don't want is like some stupid thing, like I mentioned before in the podcast, like some insurance company like National Health Insurance Stadium or Nationwide Bank Stadium or something something lame like that, that it's just like, ugh, it's another bank stadium. It's another health insurance company or whatever, or insurance company in general. I just, I just, that stuff is just, it just screams corporate to me and I'm just, I'm just not as big of a fan, I guess. So what's this bone you have to pick with me? Let it all out, man. It was on polls. I stumbled upon the poll between uh, Mahomes and Allen's throw-off. You know, this this rumored thing that, that, uh, that Allen and Mahomes would see who could throw the ball furthest yep. and have the bigger arm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, hey, Nate, you should, you should put this on, on, on the Twitters because this is on the, the Chiefs SB Nation site. And it's very clearly only Chiefs <laughs> people who are voting in this. <laughs> you need to rally the troops here. I don't remember seeing you post it. Oh, did I, did I not? <laughs> Are you I even sure? sent you the link to it. Um, you should recheck my timeline again because I tweet so much it could get buried. You know, I think that's right. uh, that's. You're, what... you're assuming that I follow a lot of people on Twitter. <laughs> I'm I'm really hoping that you don't check Twitter at all right now because I didn't put it up there. I didn't you know? think you did because <laughs> I have been. This is one of the rare times I actually have been uh, looking at Twitter a little bit more often these days. Nice. And I was like, he didn't put it up there. We lost that poll because of him. Like, how great would it be to take a Chiefs? A Chiefs SB Nation site. It's like like a Buffalo Rumblings poll. Uh-huh. If you ask the same question, of course, it's going to be all Allen because it's all Buffalo oh, people yeah. who look at it. Oh, yeah. And you'd be irritated if if Mahomes won that poll. That would have been that would have been nice. It would have been fun. That would have been fun. But you know what? You've also tweeted or you've also given me Twitter guidance to tweet at uh, Burke Kreischer and Bill Burr for the Bill Burke podcast because. Hey, do a shout out to them, man. We talked about them on the podcast. And he wore let, Bill's hats. He wore Bill's hats. Well, guess what? They didn't like it or retweet it or comment on it. So I, you know what? You're you're bad and you know, you're not bad a thousand right now. That's all I'm saying with your Twitter advice. So I that's why I didn't do that. But not exactly an expert on Twitter myself, as I mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I never but go you, on Twitter. Yeah, you you miss you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. take yeah. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so uh okay okay i got i got one more thing to talk about you want to talk you want to go into this thing or are you sure. game let's do it let's do it um there was an interesting article in the athletic about uh the bills upcoming season which i thought bills fans would be really interested in from here on out i know there's only a few more weeks till till the end of the season but i want to bring up something interesting some stat and something that bills fans would enjoy or learn a little bit about as it comes to the 2020 season, an author that now this isn't part of the Bills beat specifically, but an author by the name of Mike Sando basically um, went into he does this thing where he uh, go, he goes he gets these ratings from 50 coaches and evaluators uh, in the NFL, and he asks them to put each quarterback in the NFL, each starting quarterback in the NFL, on a tier. 
So there's four tiers in the NFL. There's tier one, tier two, tier three, and tier four, right? So obviously tier one, the best of the best. You're talking about guys like Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, uh, Russell Wilson, guys in that tier one, right? And then you're talking tier two, lower level guys, tier three, tier four, blah, 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 blah. And he looks at, he takes the aggregate of all those guys. So for example, Aaron Rodgers was a tier 1.08 because most people think he's a tier one, but there's a few people that thought he's a tier two quarterback, right? You look at guys like Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater has a 3.14. So a lot of people think he's a tier three quarterback. Most, you know, a few people think he's a tier four quarterback, right? Like so on and so forth. So this guy looks at the schedule that each team is playing in the NFL. And then he, he matches them against this tiering aggregate of who they're going to play against. So the Bills play, you know, 16 other teams. What is the average of this tier of quarterback that they have to play against? Which is an interesting way of looking at the schedule that you're going to play against. A lot of time you look at like, like we've talked on the podcast earlier in the season about um, how Vegas looks at the strength of schedule based on the predicted wins of the teams you're playing against. Vegas right now is the Bills at an over-under of nine. So like the like they're playing the Jets, the Jets have an over under of let's say six. So that's your strength of schedule for the teams. Now, this guy did it differently with quarterbacks because quarterback being the most important position, are are you going to face a lot of really difficult quarterbacks? So first thing I'm going to ask you, Nick, before I dis- I ask you and quiz you about where the Bills, you know, how tough the quarterbacks the Bills are going to play against this season, where do you think Josh Allen tiered in this ranking do you think he was now it's a decimal point i won't ask you to guess the decimal point but do you guessing it's closer to tier one two three or four and you could talk feel free to talk it out i mean i feel like my feeling about where josh allen should land and where the aggregate will fall is probably going to be lower well where do you think he is i mean just give me your... i think i think at this juncture he's probably a well let's let's give okay you've got the list in front of you right i do I need some. I need some points here of of comparison. Okay. 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 Assume. I assume Brady's a one. Tom okay. Brady. Tom Brady is a tier two, but he's a high tier two, right? Mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford. He's old. Yep. Matthew Stafford, tier two. Matt Ryan, tier two. Dak Prescott, tier two. Philip Rivers for the Colts, tier two. Ryan Tannehill, tier three. You're talking to guys like uh, uh, Gardner Minshew, tier four, right? So also like tier two guys like or Kirk Cousins tier three, Derek Carr is, tier three, Tyrod Taylor fits because I, I think there's a level of dynamicism too and it's like we're ranking against other quarterbacks which doesn't make sense because it should be ranked against what the defenses are like that you're facing. Whereas if you rank the strength of schedule when you assume that the New, the New England Patriots had one of the num- like number one if not number two defenses last year, and whereas now most of their starters have left for COVID that doesn't match up anymore. Yep. Yep. That's a, that's a an interesting conversation itself. Where do they match up against the defenses you're playing against? But isn't that what you're playing against? Because it's, it's like that they're not playing against the quarterback. The only thing that that the opposing team's quarterback can do is stay on the field longer and shred your defense and possibly have some dynamicism, dynamicism, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Be exciting and be able to pull out like fourth quarter comeback drives and things of that nature. That's only where the other quarterback is going to hurt you. Because if you're looking at the tier one guys, you look at a tier one guy like Brady or, you know, almost tier one guy like Brady, he finds a way to win. 
even if they're behind, he comes back to find a way to win. So that's when you're playing against the other quarterback. Otherwise, I would say it's more about how good is your defense, the defense that you're playing. Um, so I would assume I would I would like to say that that Josh Allen is either a strong three, hopefully on the verge of two. But I would venture to say the aggregate opinion is that he's a possibly a strong four coming into three. So he is a three point oh four. So yeah, strong three. That is a that is a pretty high three. That's almost as high as you can get without going into the two range. Right. So, so what's interesting is I, I agree with what you're saying. What I'm more interested in is how our defense will play against, because if you have the, the top five defense, but you have one of the hardest schedules quarterback wise, if you're playing Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, like all of these really top tier one and tier two quarterbacks, like your top five defense might have a rough time this season. Whereas last season, the bills didn't play a lot of really good quarterbacks and they had a top they mid, top three played defense. against Lamar. They did. They did and play they kept him in a check. They did play against some good quarterbacks. Arguably one of the most exciting quarterbacks that's out there other than maybe Mahomes. Yes. And and Lamar so, Jackson is a tier two. Um so I, I I guess my point is like the Bills, even though they even had like a top three uh defense last season, they didn't play all thirty one other teams. So even that ranking is still kind of it's not. It's a goofy way of looking at it. It's a goofy it. I mean, way of looking at it. It's not a large. It's not a sample size of the entire season, but the entire league. But um, because I, that's the way I look at it. Because the whole hubbub about Cam Newton coming to New England and how he's much more mobile than Brady is, so therefore, you know, he's going to be that much stronger of a threat. It's like no, because we played Lamar and kept him in check. Exactly. And I would argue that Lamar is better than Cam Newton at this juncture. Absolutely. So. So it doesn't scare me that, that maybe Cam can run around a little bit. <laughs> uh, so I, yeah, so I think it's it's kind of a goofy way to, to rank them, but I, I'm not surprised that they, they have him as a three, but I think, I think he has the ability to, to be a strong two this year if he really brings it. Absolutely. So what's, so you almost nailed Josh Allen's average or his tier as far as where, you know, these 50, you know, coaches and scouts say, see where he is. Now, where do you think the Bills' schedule ranks in difficulty between 1 and 32, 1 being the hardest strength of schedule against opposing quarterbacks or one of the easiest, if you had to guess? Oh, now, the Bills' quarterbacks is a harder question. Now, I will give you all the quarterbacks, and you can tell me what you think, okay? Now, this is, this is listed from the best to the worst, okay, based on this okay. tiering system. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill, Cam Newton twice, Derek Carr, Sam Darnold twice. By the way, Sam Darnold is a 3.18. So actually, um, these people believe Josh Allen's a better quarterback, to your point, over Sam Darnold. So should be way higher than that. And difference, difference <laughs> in scores should be way different. Right. Darnold hasn't shown anything to deserve that. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick twice. They're going based purely off potential at that point. Ryan Fitzpatrick yep. twice, which he's a 3.76. So, I mean, they they think Josh Allen is much better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I wouldn't disagree. But Tyrod Taylor and then Drew Locke. So Drew Locke, the quarterback for the Denver Broncos. So they have um, Tyrod. They have a lot of tier oneers in there. They don't, though. They only have two. Russ, Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson, only two tier ones. And then Ben so Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger isn't considered a one. I guess no. he's tubby and old now. No, he's he's one point eight eight of the aggregate. So they just bumped him down to a tier two. It rounds out to tier two. 
Okay. So, um, and he is the only tier two quarterback. And then it goes Kyler Murray at tier three. We're going against quarterbacks. 10th hardest? 27th. Really? The Bills have one of the easiest schedules based on this tiering system against quarterbacks because the first three quarterbacks, if you think about Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, all good quarterbacks. Then it goes Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, based on this system, is going to be better this year. Like I'm afraid of Kyler Murray, a little but bit. he's a he's a tier three quarter. I'm I'm worried about him. But are you worried about him as like one of the worst quarterbacks you have to go against? No, like you, you're, you're, he's a guy who I think he's got the dy- dynamic aspect where he's got more experience now, and I think he can be very very dangerous. So it, that comes down to how he plays our defense, and if our defense can bottom up like we did with Lamar and the same thing with Mahomes, it's like, can our defense rise to the challenge of, of keeping these guys, not necessarily, you know, blocking them out to not scoring, but keeping the score within reason of which we have a chance of, of, of actually doing that. It's an interesting way of showing the quarterback strength of schedule. It's not like I said, perfect, but, um, but it isn't it, it, because again, you could you could say that uh, you know we're playing Cam Newton twice, who isn't all that particularly high. But if it was the full New England defense coming from last year, and you know take COVID out of the picture and everyone's playing, we would be playing the number one defense, of which that makes a huge difference versus what the quarterback is doing. So that's why I don't like matching mm-hmm. quarterback to quarterback. It's it doesn't make much sense. Well, it's not necessarily matching quarterback to quarterback. It's literally just I just gave you what Josh Allen's QB tier was, but it's literally the. It, you're just it's yeah it's 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 kind of you would rather be where the bills are 27th as opposed to the first let me let me just give you for example the the hardest quarterback schedule that a team plays to give you an idea of why we're glad we're playing who we're playing as opposed okay. to as opposed to this team like Minnesota Vikings have the worst schedule based on that's the hardest schedule they play Russell Wilson they play Aaron Rodgers twice they play Drew Brees Deshaun Watson, all four of those quarterbacks are tier ones. Now we're going into tier twos, which the Bills only had one tier two quarterback. The Vikings play against five tier two quarterbacks. They play Tom Brady. They play Matthew Stafford twice. They play Matt Ryan. They play Dak Prescott. They play Phillip Rivers. And then with the last four quarterbacks, then you start getting into the tier threes. But even they have Ryan Tannehill as a tier three. He's a high tier three at 2.84. So it just rounds down to a tier three. So... Teddy Bridgewater is is. I think they need to they need to figure in their age too because I don't know that Drew Brees is is going to have all the steps that he's that he's had. I mean, he's got the experience, but he's clearly not played as well these last couple of years. That he's not like peak Drew Brees uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I wouldn't disagree, but I don't think he's fallen off enough that he's. Going I don't think to... he's a guy that can put the team on his back and make it happen. I don't agree with that, but <laughs> maybe I mean, I you watch. Have to look, I'm not like totally up to date on where they fall out on other personnel, but uh, I think that's why Brady. It's been interesting, and I'm curious to see how Brady does this year because uh, he's got Gronk back, and you know he's he's got some weapons. We'll really see what he's made of. I think this year without Belichick, and and to see if he can do that. But that that's where I get scared more of guys that can make the plays happen, like Mahomes. It's like Mahomes. It's like, how did he do that? Yes, yes. And and then you factor in experience because you look at Rodgers. I think Rodgers has the ability to be amazing, but he also has the ability, the ability to be pretty good, but maybe not good enough for for the whole team to to do well. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, I, mean, I get it. Russell, I get it. Russell Wilson too doesn't feel like a guy to me that, other than his earlier years, it feels like the later years, it's more the team that gets him there, not just Russell Wilson. Well, if you notice, and this is an interesting topic that we'll have to finish another time, but um, the fact that they haven't been to a Super Bowl since Russell Wilson got that contract. So, um, <laughs> well, he's had some babies. He got married. He's a busy guy. He's a busy guy, but it just—I think it, it speaks to more of the fact that you can win and go to Super Bowls while you have a quarterback on a rookie contract, especially a third-round quarterback like Russell Wilson, who's making like one and a half million dollars in his last season. I'm just throwing a number out there, but you know, when you have to pay him $30 million a year, then all of a sudden you don't get to keep the Legion of boom anymore because you can't afford them. Right. It's, it's the team. It's not quarterback versus quarterback. It's the team. And, and I think that's where Brady's been smart all, all these years is that he quote unquote has taken lower pay in order to make sure that, that they could keep the weapons that he wanted to keep for the most part. I mean, there were, better and worse years for that and i mean yeah he was making a ton of money on the back end in ways that probably aren't necessarily legal from a from an nfl perspective but completely illegal completely but he was but he was smart enough to realize hey if you pay me a little less we can we can keep gronk an extra year we can keep edelman or whoever it is that, that that we need to keep and keep that continuity which we said is very important this year and and to keep keep those weapons in order to 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 be a team and I, I think that's part of the reason why I'm so amped up this year about the Bills, as we talked about, is continuity. But not only that, I don't see a ton of these guys not being on the team next year. Yep. And so even if this year is hopefully good to, to pretty good, you know, making the playoffs at a minimum, I hope. Uh, but, if, but if they're not the end-all be-all, there's always going to be an asterisk on this year, no matter what. And I'm a little bit more excited for hopefully next year when this is all behind us. Oh, God help us if it's not behind us, but uh, if, when this is behind us and you have that same continuity of guys who have another year of experience together as a team, because we've always commented about how what the team culture is in the Bills and what McDermott has brought to have these guys all have each other's back and really act in that fashion. And I, I think that's what's exciting is, is the possibility of do we have a, you know another run of years to where we might possibly have have some positive things. And that's what I'm excited about. And that's what I'm a little scared of too, from the chief's perspective, you know, from the homes and these younger guys that, that do have that runway versus, versus Rogers is who, know, who knows what he's going to do. He's training his replacement right now. <laughs> Brady, who might break in half when he gets hit for the first time. We don't know. Yeah. He's what, 75 years old yep. at this, Give or this take. year. Give or take. Give or take. <laughs> so, so it's an interesting list. I, I mean, I hope I make sense considering you were throwing at me blind and i haven't seen that list or digested it but i think it's a little bit bogus yeah well i i like it i like it i'd rather be on that side of of worrying about quarterbacks that i'm playing against i'd rather have a weaker quarterback schedule to be honest and sure. and i never really pinned it as far as my relation to other teams that have to play the same or did their own schedules so so yeah it's not perfect but i think it's one of those things that Bills fans can be excited about looking into the season and it's a part of the schedule and aspect of the schedule that you think about, but you don't really have numbers or statistics to tie it to. So I need your opinion, Nick. I, we are going to do a giveaway next week on the podcast and we are going to give away two different items. I want you to choose what you think is the best item because I want to give that item to the people that listen to the podcast because I think that's more important than social media. I want to reward the listeners that 
take the time out of their day to listen to us talk bills and uh, enjoy it. So I'm going to give you two options and you're going to tell me which one you like better. We're going to give that item out over the podcast next week. And then also we'll do another drawing for the other item over Twitter. So you can, so basically people have a chance to win both items if they're listening to the podcast. So I have a Levi Wallace signed Jersey cornerback, Levi Wallace, which for now, at least is cornerback two for the bills until, you know, I, I can't believe I forgot to mention him earlier, by the way, people were probably yelling at their, at their, uh, the car speakers or their microphone or their headphones. I was yelling in my brain, but then I was thinking, did I, did he say it? And I missed it and I'll sound like an idiot. I miss Levi Wallace. I miss <laughs> Levi Wallace. Oh yeah. It would just be Lane Jackson starting. I forget all about Levi Wallace, but anyway, <laughs> Levi Wallace signed Jersey, a home blue signed Jersey or a John Brown signed Jersey. Which one do you think if you're, if if you I were to John guess, Brown, John Brown, right now, John Brown for the pod, John Brown for the pod. Okay. Now, does it make you want it more or less knowing that it's a black John Brown jersey, like a uh, a special edition number fifteen John Brown jersey? Black is different; it's not the oh, same. I'd have to I'd have to see it. I think I don't know what what these black jerseys are all about, dude. I got it right here. Because that's does it, buddy? Does it, it makes does it look like a Bills jersey? Um. So this is what I'm holding it up. It's still in the pla- I'm holding it up. It's still in the plastic. <laughs> this is. Oh, that's a tough decision. Well, do you like it more or less? It sounds like you like it less. I like it less because what you want the you want the blues, man. I kind of like the blacks. I think the black is a little bit different. So Levi Wallace is in blue. So, um, so you don't like the black? That could be a. I like the blacks. You don't like the blacks. Um, jerseys. I mean, I so... think if, if they were both blues, it would be hands down brown. Like I'm still leaning towards brown because. Who doesn't like a wide receiver, you know? Dude. Like cornerback, unless it's unless it's Trey White. I don't know if cornerback is the guy that you're you're like, yeah, I'm wearing the jersey <laughs> on Sunday. Like the, the yeah. third string cornerback. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> nothing nothing against Levi. I, I mean, I like him well enough, but I think yeah. the, the, the starting wide receiver. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that's what we'll do. We're going to do the John Brown Black Sign jersey for our podcast listeners. And I'm going to... Uh, this week on Twitter, uh, do a retweet and follow contest. So follow us on Twitter at CTWPod, which is like at Circling the Wagons Pod. And this will be a Levi Wallace signed jersey. You can always that. save the Levi for another pod giveaway. Dude, what's nice is I have a couple of those. So um, oh. I have, I have. Uh, luckily I've been finding some really great deals on, on these jerseys. I have uh, some Andre Reid jerseys. I have some Ed Oliver jerseys, some Tremaine Edmonds jerseys, and a few others that I won't uh, name um, right now because some of them are really cool. Uh, so we're going to go do this into the season. But uh, but I wanted to do one on Twitter uh, as well. So um, if you're listening to this podcast, you have twice the amount of uh, of options than if you just follow us on Twitter or you just listen to the, or you don't listen to the podcast. So um, if you want to know how to win one of these jerseys or the ones that we'll be giving away throughout the season. All you have to do is leave a five-star review for us on Apple iTunes uh, podcast. Um, just leave it there. You can just mention us somewhere in the review, CTW pod, um, circling the wagons, whatever. And then you can mention all your other favorite podcasts. Cause our network has been doing a phenomenal job of covering everything going on. Um, you have Steve who's been a tremendous addition to the podcast network, Bruce exclusive, obviously uh, Matthew, Matt, uh, Matt Warren with the, Rumblings Q&A, Anthony with Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. And yeah, it's just been uh, 
just a good time. Um, so just mention us somewhere in the podcast. I have a running list. You can, there, I think it's like a hundred or 150 people that are in every single, uh, contest. So if you think about it, you have a one in 150 chance of winning a Jersey. That's pretty freaking good odds. And these things, these things value are at least, uh, 130 to $150. So, so just leave us a five-star review. I will announce another winner next week on our pod. Cause we're doing one a week now till the end of the season. Um, so get your uh, name in there and mention one of the other pods or if you'd like to, and uh, we'll do another uh, drawing. So follow us on Twitter at CTW pod and go from there. So this has been a really fun podcast, Nick, just talking about a bunch of different things. Um, I think we like to keep it on a positive note. I think we're still very optimistic about everything going on. Um, there's just some, oh, definitely. some interesting uh, things going on in the world and uh, false positives and uh, stuff like that. We're going into the unknown and I, it's a little scary, but I think overall we're, we're in a good position. We've got good leaders. We've got good flexibility and I think they're smart. So I think those are the things that are really going to be very positive going into this season. And, and probably the last time you hear from me, because I know you have a policy of not allowing me to be on the pod when it matters, when it matters, this is, this is the most meaningful podcast you've ever been on. We were this close to the season. A lot of new listeners, a lot of people are listening more than ever. And uh, I wanted to have you on. It was it was good to talk to you. I hope you don't feel slighted because you're not the first voice that people hear anymore on the podcast. They'll either hear Don Beebe or Harrison Phillips. Do you feel slighted that it's not your voice that now? Uh, no. Is the first? No. I'm honored. <laughs> I'm, I'll I'll take second second fiddle to those guys. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Over former Bills and current Bills players. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Nice. I'll I'll accept that and wear that with pride. Good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad your ego isn't too big. I'm glad you can ex- assume your backup role now. So thanks, thanks, Nick, for coming on. I always love talking to you, man. It's always a pleasure. So as you know, signing off for Nick. Go Bills. And for me, Nate, no more false positives and uh, go Bills. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.